Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Amber. <laughs> this is Jay. But am I on a podcast now? Yes, Jay. You are now on the TriTag Games podcast. <laughs> Woo! Welcome back, Jay. Yes. I am so sorry. <laughs> Those of you who've been with us from the beginning know that this is Jay Haley. And he has been away from our mics for over 100 episodes, and we're welcoming him back. Good to have you back, Jay. Obviously, you don't remember me that well, but thank you. (laughs) Anyways, we are continuing our series on taking back Earth. We started off with losing Earth. How did we lose Earth again? We looked away for half a second. It's pretty big. We generally remember where we park it. Well, this is a fringe-worthy segment where the explorers come back and they find that Earth is gone. If Earth is gone, where do you go? Where do you relocate? What's your future now that you're lost on the fringe paths? Are you just going to join up with the Tays on the Victorian world? Or are you going to go fringe walker and just start walking down the pathways until you find someplace? I wander the world like Kwai Chain Kang. Yeah. So just not present at all or taken over by guys in black costumes with sneers? The point was is that it was inaccessible. There was Ah. no way of getting it back, and that was the point. Now, what we're doing now is we're saying, okay, now we we already explored that aspect of it. Now let's say you came back and it has been taken over. Now what are you going to do to get it back? So the first segment, which we did last week, was the French pirates take over the portal. And... You have to figure out some way of getting it back, usually by going and getting some resources from some other worlds and also taking into account the nature of the fringe pirates themselves. But we've already done that podcast. (laughs) Yes. Okay. All right. That was the last one we recorded. Now we're going to move into the middle campaign and saying that this happened now during the middle campaign. How's that going to be different? What are the things that are going to be important and where your resources in the middle campaign versus the Mm -hmm. early campaign, which is where we had the fringe pirates. In this particular scenario, we're suggesting that the big bad that's taken over Earth Prime is the Mellor. Oh, the Mellor. That's what we suggest as being our big bad for the middle campaign. Fringe Worthy, the game of interdimensional adventure from Tri-Tag Games. Antarctica, 2010. A Japanese research team finds a portal to alien and alternative Earths. Only one person in 100,000 has the special ability that lets them use the portal and travel the pathways to infinity. You are this person. You are the Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is the first RPG of interdimensional adventure across millions of alternative Earths. 
Cringeworthy is available at TriTech Games at www.tritechgames.com slash fringe.htm A million million worlds await you. Go visit them. So within a week's period of time, and that's pushing it, but let's say within a month, they'd be ready to stage a huge takeover of the entire planet. At that point, a group of PCs is boned. What could they do? They can do anything. What can the world do? I mean, at this point, they also had teams whose entire purpose is to infiltrate United States, Russia, Great Britain, and France, and make sure that they keep the fingers off the button. Because the last thing they need is nuclear warheads flying around. They're also spraying around that anthrax and those super yeah. flus and all those things everywhere, too. Biological warfare is a much better solution for destroying a world than going nuclear. So, well, at this point, you basically screwed Earth Prime. You can't take it back. No, you can't take it back, but it's going to be a lot of work now. From what? Most of the people are dead or Melor. If you had some sort of anti-Melor bioweapon, you could kill the Melor. You'd have an empty planet. And what, what good does that do you? I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you. Okay, I'm just trying to set up the scenario to have everyone realize how quickly they can do this. If you're going to take them back, you've got to take them back within that one-month period. Yeah, you have to leave enough breadcrumbs for your players to find it and monkey wrench it before it really gets out of hand. Well, here's the thing. Those players are going to come back, and they're either going to find Meller on the platform acting as the guards with the normal Hatsumi portals closed – and the ASA portal closed, or they're going to come back and find all the portals locked down, some of the portals active but now locked down, and the Hatsumi and the ASA portal locked down under a higher level crystal than they have. How do you see a PC group overcoming this, Bruce? That's when they have to go back onto the fringe paths and find themselves some help. Okay. What does that counterattack look like to you? Well, that's what we're here to discuss. That's why I'm asking you. It's because you've set it up, but you're not adding what, what the solution looks like. Let's first talk about what resources are out there now for them to, to go and get. Okay, uh, Bruce, I do have a question. Are the Mellor smart enough to actually go to the, to the system portal and lock down those? That's a good question, and I didn't consider that. Yeah, because I can imagine them finding uh, spaceships that they're fully functional after 10 minutes. Dragging those suckers onto Mars and then fly from Mars to Earth. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. that could happen. I was trying to yeah. be a little bit simpler. Yeah, well, hey, it depends what, what's, what's available. And it could be that the IDET people are going to use that same, when they're trying to get back Earth, might say, hey, you guys forgot all totally about the system portal, and we're going to go and get some resources off of those and go back to Earth. As I mentioned with the pirate one, which way did the Miller come from? Because uh, there is one platform they can go to for lots of good resources and probably weapons that the Miller have no idea that they can be used as long as you're used within 18 hours. Right. Uh, what's that? Platform 13. Aha. Uh-huh. Bureau 13. Earth Prime 13. Mm-hmm. In the last podcast, we looked at the resources between negative six and positive six. But now I think we should enlarge our look to the resources between negative 20 and positive 20. Okay. You're going to need some really good resources that will work to basically go through and do an assault against the Meller base that's probably on the, on the other side of the portal. See, you know that the portals are locked down. You're assuming that you came back and you fought and you actually fought the Meller and you saw that they were Meller. 
And so you've escaped back out onto the fringe pads, and now you're going to have to come back and bring a real force against them. So the Mellor know that you're coming, maybe, or not. But the point is, is that you're going to need to bring as much resources as you possibly can with the pe- the friends that you've made out there on the fringe paths over the past, you know, early campaign and through the middle campaign. Mm-hmm. This is where being nice to your neighbors really pays off. A group that's really set everybody else against them as they've gone through their early campaign is going to get harsh laughter in their face when they come back and say, my world is being attacked by shape-changing aliens, come help. They say, well, wow, sucks to be you. Oh, yeah. Oh, in our yeah. case, we're, we're assuming that they've had a successful early campaign and that lots of people grab their guns and go, what? Where? What can we do? Right. So we've already talked about that the Trazon would, would back us up, that the Golden Horde and the Romana Universa would, would, would probably back us up for, for a significant piece of the pie. The Victorians, you know, it's, that's, that's a little bit more questionable. The Demixie has the, the highest level of technology as we do. I think a big question would also be not just who is willing to come to our aid, but also who is able to. Right. Because we, we can't automatically assume that everyone right. that comes to our aid is going to be able to carry their own weight, let alone help us. Well, who are you referring to and not able to carry their own weight? It, it, it's sort of a general statement. I, I haven't really read through on the Victorian one specifically, but Personally, when I picture Victorian, I picture something more old-fashioned in the the having to manually change out every time you fire a pistol or a cannon. And it seems more of an inconvenience than beneficial for them to be on the battlefield, as it were. But this could be uh, Victorian's ten years later, which means they probably have observed a lot of technology from Earth Prime at, the, at this point. The tasers going to be just have the same weapons we do. Yeah. There's two things to bear in mind. John's a steampunk, so you have no idea what kind of chaotic hell the Victorians are going to be able to unleash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Second of all, their soldiers can come in and can pick up United Weapons. You can you can brief them on how those work pretty quickly. The, I guess the trick is getting shooty-shooty uh, in the right place at the right time quickly. You need to get ahead of this, so you don't really have time to make up a new technological solution. You're going to have to improvise from what's available. Anything taking more than a month, and you're done. You've, you've already lost. Right. In my scenario, they basically have a month to take back Earth Prime, or it's too late. Okay, so looking at these worlds that would be available, we know that Starting all the way out in negative 19, this is basically the equivalent of the Terminators. We have hunter-killer robots in the 21st century. Are they friendly? They're hunter-killers, so no. They're they're basically would try to kill humans, but maybe they could be reprogrammed. Yeah, that whole hunting and killing thing kind of puts the kibosh on, hey, will you help? Yeah, and that bending and drinking all the beer inside is also kind of obnoxious, too. What I'm just saying is that, you know, here we have artificial intelligence— and we have a willingness to fight. All we have to do is get them to fight on our behalf. Uh, the problem is transporting them across the fringe paths. Because once you get them through that portal, they're dead weight until you get them back through your target portal and give them time to get get back together. I know. They're not a full solution. But, I mean, if you can get them through the portal and get them powered back up again, then you've got you know, a, a serious fighting force. You've got some grade A bang bang there. That's for sure. So I'm just saying this is just one of the things I think it should be considered as an as an asset. Who's at negative eighteen? Nobody I like. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. 18 Prime, okay. it's a farming plant. Yeah. I, yeah. I basically went all the way back to negative 13 at that point, because there we have a world where they have psionics that's posing as magic. It's, okay. it's not really a world where there's magic, so we don't have to worry about magic not working on Earth Prime, because we know that Earth Prime is a non-magic node. But we know the psionics does work. So therefore, if we had could find some fringe worthy on that world who are also psionic and had great some great powers, then we'd have some real help there. Well, uh, yeah. Or if you have really really powerful psionic people who are fringe worthy, you just said yes, master, and you've joined their fringe worthy effort. Yeah. Don't forget the opening story that on the, on the junkyard planet they did find that psi inducing uh, whiskey, which may or may not be a good thing to have, but you never know. Cool, drunk, psionic rednecks charging around the pickup truck shooting Melor. That sounds like a party. That was a negative 13 all seven. Not using the clock face, but the, the ones that are actually listed in the fringe path guides where they just use the standard one through eight for the numbering. of The, the one that I saw after that was negative 10 alt five, which is a pocket stop that has a whole bunch of Tamelor tools. They're just laying around in the muck. But hey, they're Tamelor tools and you know that they're going to operate on the fringe pass. Yeah, the reason why the reason why they are laying in the muck is they need to be fed, and it's a great place to feed them. <laughs> Maybe, or they could be truly super science. What sort of tools are they? Has it been established? Has it? No, and you could basically uh, make up whatever you wanted. But I'm just saying is that a lot of things could be useful. Things that could, for example, could reach through walls, putty that's hard at normal temperatures and it's soft and freezing. We've already talked about that. The hair combs that change your hair, but there could be other things that allow you to change your appearance very quickly. I'm just having a Bob the Builder flashback, all these talking tools. You might be able to trade those. We'll keep these far away from you if you help us rid Earth of Melor. Negative 9, Alt 5, we have animals that cause extremely debilitating effects on Fringeworthy from their smell. Now, it says Fringeworthy. It doesn't say Earth Primers. And if this effect happens to everybody who's Fringeworthy, you actually have an anti-Meller weapon. If you can get them there, because you're extremely debilitated while yelling, hiya, little doggy. Well, you can wear your environmental suits, and you don't have to smell them. A cattle drive on the fringe path wearing environment suits. That's another party. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i'm just saying is that you know you send these guys through so you can send through birds and all kinds of things and they're flying around and all and the meller are like i'm going to kill you except i gotta puke right now that that would be handy that might be that might be a good thing to have see that here here you have a strike force and it doesn't affect non-fringeworthy people so if it actually got out in the wild on earth prime it wouldn't be that much of a problem i mean it'd be something that could be controlled later now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we went through this uh, way earlier when I, when I was on the podcast. A non-fringeworthy person can be taken through a portal by a fringeworthy person. Is that right? No. If, a if non-intelligent creature can be taken through by a fringeworthy person. So you'd have to basically cryogenically freeze people if you're going to bring them along the fringe pass with you. And in or, the middle or, campaign, I don't think we have the technology to unfreeze yeah. them successfully. Or you can stop, stop their heart. And then wait five minutes so, so their brain stops working. Then you can take them through. Now getting them back started again. <laughs> Not very helpful. If I'm going to let you do that to me, John, my brain has already stopped working. It's not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> All right. If we, if we go to Alt-6 on the same negative 9 uh, node, we have Toon World. I personally don't feel confident if I have Roger Rabbit helping me. 
You know, the mind boggles at what <laughs> tunes. Now, that might be one of those realities that won't work on Earth. But how about Darkar the Barbarian and his horde of laser sheep? Darkwing Duck. I'm just grabbing uh, Wiley Coyote in his Acme catalog. We'll just blow the whole mess up. <laughs> the Roadrunner would take him out by himself, I'm pretty sure. No, no, you need a lithium fuel 13 space modulator. Yes. Hmm, the Miller makes me very, very angry. Uh, if we move to negative eight, which is uh, the prime, all they really say about this is that it has a lot of tunnels that are sealed, but there's high tech in those that tu- there's tech in those tunnels. So who knows what you could find? That's up to the GM to add in. Yeah, there's only one gate open, and of course it's in Antarctica. Antarctica, of course. Well, but the point <laughs> is, that it says there's there's tech there that might be useful. A GM needs to like play Easter egg with these things and place useful things there before he before he calls out the players. Okay. Earth's in trouble on the point of being doomed. What are you going to do? You kind of want to make sure they have things available to be used. You want to make sure you have some sort of an idea. They might surprise you and come up with things you never you never thought of. I love that about players. But you definitely want to have a solution in mind for yourself, for, for yourself first in case they just sit there and look at you like deer in the headlights. Alt Platform 7 is a Tremelian Industrial Complex. Ooh, yes. Now, all you have to do is convince the sucker to uh, produce what you want, which is weapons, and then ship them to Earth. Rosie the Queller? Yeah, Rosie the Queller. <laughs> you would need a orange crystal, I believe. In the middle campaign, there should be some of them around. Yeah. yeah. You might have oh, to borrow them from some of our uh, alien core friends, but you, they'd still yeah. be there. Or a path of clues leading to uh, the proper crystals to get to get things working your way. If you can catch the Miller that he went through, there's a bunch of crystals right there you're going to get. <laughs> but yeah, the, the industrial complex, it's automated, which means it's, it's, it's probably a living entity. You just have to convince it to start producing what you want. Now, where it's being shipped, I don't know. It's probably a warehouse someplace just full of whatever's been producing. Who God knows what it is, what's in that, that, that warehouse. It's probably building warehouses to hold more stuff it's producing. It might just get bored and produce different things at different times because it's just waiting around for somebody to come by and play. The positive side. Always look on the bright side of life. Going up to positive eight node, the Alt-3. We've got a high-tech road with cars traveling at 250 miles an hour. Whoa! That's some high-tech. <laughs> yeah, but convincing people who are driving by at 250 miles an hour that they're about to be attacked by shape-changing aliens? That's another party! Well, th- that's not the point. The point <laughs> is that they would be a good... This would probably be a world where you could get some high-tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's weapons, whether it's armor, materials, whatever. If they have roads, that, that cars that can travel like that, that means that they have a, a high technological base. And so if you need to produce some stuff as part of your war effort, this would be a good place to rely on. A car that can go 250 miles an hour, uh, that means it can traverse a pathway in 12 minutes. This is a good source for high-tech stuff. I, okay, I just have to ask this. Does this road continually turn left, and, and do the cars have lots of stairs on them? <laughs> I think not. Okay, good. No, no. Hey, look, nope. they're making a left turn. Hey, look, another, <laughs> left, another turn. left turn. Look out, Rick and Baba. This guy says there's shape-changing aliens on our ass. I'm going to have to drive faster. 
if you stay on the same alt and go to seven, this is uh, Silverado, and they've got snakes, I'm sorry, snails, that spit, and their spit dissolves plastic, but not skin or metals. I don't know how that could be useful, but it's there. <laughs> we have like a universal solvent in these snails. Polyester and plastic. It's going after long chain molecule, uh, molecules. If nothing else, just send them after the Mellor and let the Mellor try to figure out what you were trying to do while you do something more intelligent. Well, actually, that does work. If you squirt somebody with the stuff and their clothes doesn't dissolve, it's probably a Mellor. True, but by then they're probably killing you because they're a Mellor. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. If you need targets, if you put out some kind of big aerosol spray and the Mellor come going through this, this area and you see that, oh, okay, they're all, they're all Mellor, then you don't have to worry about hurting innocents. If the Mellor have time, they're going to grab some innocents and throw them in there and use them as hostages too. I'm just saying, it's just there. Yeah, no. If, if the players come up with something unusual, then we will look at them in blink and go, well, of course I planned for that six months ago. Now, if you want to outdo the Mellor in, in what the Mellor do best, you've got a really good option. To go to positive 10 prime, that's the dead walk virus world. Ooh. Okay, um, Mellor, you can't have it either. Oh, dear. Oh, a scorched earth theory, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. You just you have to get a hand. Well, wait a minute. Wouldn't that be that virus? Hold it. Wait, or, or, or wait a minute. That's actually in the sixes. You're talking Rogue 417. Now, this is definitely a infected corpses or infected eating living survivors. Of this disease-ridden nightmare. Which means it would go through the portal and the disease would be eradicated. Unless you froze them. Cryogenics. Right. Unless you could find a working ammonia freezer and throw them in there for a little while and then drive them in and dump them in Wisconsin where the Mellor are turning cows into, turning unhappy cows into more Mellor. I mean, just because you clean the virus out of them doesn't mean they're not still zombies. You have a ready source of shock troops that you could just put into a big cattle bin and Move them through. They're not intelligent. Brains. You can move them through. Well, the, the great Mellor are more intelligent than humans, so they will be more attractive to zombies who want brains. <laughs> you need a lot of shock troops, and, and the Fringeworthy, that's their biggest liability is, is personnel. Grabbing a couple thousand zombies, put them in cattle cars, back them up to the portal and shove them through. You might need some... Yeah, dare I say it, fuel air bombs to clean up the mess you just created, but it could take out the Mellor if they have a base right on the other side. And mix that with the uh, animals that make Fringeworthy sick, and you've got one heck of a party. There you go. You go to positive 10, alt 7, it's another world in which there's magic. It won't yeah. help you on Earth Prime because magic doesn't work there. However, you know we know that magic can be used to produce materials and other things that might be very nice. Uh, it's yeah. a great fallback point if you want to get healing because you've got magic, and so therefore you might have magical healing. And if you've had contact with them, they might be researching how to do temporary fringe-worthy spells. And that would be really good if you could do that. There would be a serious help. They could go and make everybody fringe-worthy, but we'll see. A mass fringe-worthy spell is at least a, a lunatic level 17 spell. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you have to be just just completely out of your mind really bad for that to work and what we know is is from our other usages is that if you were to put somebody into cryogenic storage and then thaw them out on the fringe paths 
they're still fringe-worthy while they're on the fringe pass. And there's no problem about them going through a portal onto a world. They just can't come back. This spell you're talking about, if it, it would, even if they went back to Earth Prime, it would still let them get onto the fringe pass and bring an army down to Earth Prime and take them through. Okay. I, I'm sorry. My big problem with thawing somebody out on the fringe paths is there's no electricity, so how are you going to get a microwave to work? Well, you definitely need a dock box for that. If you have a dock box, you can you can probably do it. Right. Well, that's not the point. It's not yeah. how you do it. It's the fact is that if you have somebody who wasn't fringe worthy, you managed to get you froze them so they could get through the portal and, and be treated as a simple object, and then got them thawed out and up and going on the on the pathways. Then we know from our experience that that the, the, the system will ignore their fringeworthiness, the, you know, whether they are or not, while they're actually on the pathways. Okay. If you can just take that spell and mm-hmm. hit an army with it and send them through the portal, you've got an army on the fringe pass. Yep. And that's very good. If you give them some high-tech weapons or some low-tech weapons that'll work while they come out of the other side of the fringe pass, some automatic weapons and whatever, then you've got a real strike force to bring back Earth Prime. March them past the uh, Tremelin factory you were talking about. There you go, yeah. On plus 12, alt 5, we have another high-tech world. It doesn't say much other than it's got higher tech. The real sweet spot, which is what John was talking about, is positive 13, the B13. Yeah. Those are our buddies. They like us. Oh, yeah. We're supplying them with tech. The question is, how many B13 agents and other allies are fringe-worthy? And what can they bring with them that will stay working long enough to come and fight the Melor? Oh, this is where Ray Robinson, he just grins and you're afraid his head's going to fall in half because he's grinning so much. This really brings out the stuff he doesn't even dare use on, on, on his world and gives it to you. You would talk to Colonel Shea Talbot, the liaison between Unita and the Bureau, who was a former Victorian positive two prime female who joined the alien core, and then said when she found Bureau 13 Prime, this looks like a nice place for me to settle down. So she basically made her own meal ticket. If Unita had to go to Bureau 13, you would deal with her, and she would send you to Ray Robertson. And yeah, I think Ray Robertson would have lots of cool stuff. Here's our shoulder-fired antimatter missile. It does need 40 meters to arm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you need a thousand of them. They just go to uh, Bangor, Maine, turn on the, the time acceleration field, and a day later, you have a thousand of them. That's right, yeah. Because magic would not work. Problem is, Bureau 13 have size. Yeah, you can get a lot of psionic-based people to help you out. Oh, I'm sure Bureau 13 mages are, also know how to point and shoot conventional weapons. Like that LOO pick of Gandalf with a uh, with an AK-47? Multi-classing, because even wizards run out of spells. Yeah. Actually, I have a question. Are ghosts capable of entering the, the pathways? The real question is, does the fringe portal even acknowledge the existence of a ghost? Yeah. But then again, as we said, the entire node is pretty much in the Bureau 13 universe. So when they try to go to a crosslink, it can't see them because they're because they're not there by any other standard. That's true, and they only have eighteen hours to exist if they were able to enter anyway. So yeah, and I wouldn't want to be a ghost with a, with a lifespan of eighteen hours. Uh, they could run all over the place on that node. Yeah, that's true. You, know, you have eighteen hours before this 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 thing stops working. 
And they all look at Ray, and Ray smiles. Oh, so you can't use electricity. That's okay. We have this thing. Plunk it down. It'll get you there in five minutes. Okay. As long as you go in a straight line, you're good. Yeah, I'm going to let somebody else try that one first. Right. Ray Robertson would have stuff. He would say, well, I have this new power source that will work on the French paths because it does not work on the things that is filtered by it. And you, you'd have fast transport because you can just hook that up to another vehicle and just, you know, send people back. The fringe paths are an interesting technical problem. I've been thinking about it. Everybody else dies behind desks. So if I can go to the Bureau 13, this is where we, we, we make deals with certain entities that have certain powers. We collect all the Dijin that the Bureau's been storing. Just throw them out into Wisconsin, huh? That, that's another party. <laughs> no, no, they grant wishes. And because it's not a spell, it is an inherent ability of the jinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can go there and say, I wish it never happened. I have to remember that we're recording an audio podcast, so you can't see me squinting at you going, that's sort of techn- uh, technicality, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, or even our ring of wishes, you know. I mean, the Bureau's probably, yeah, the Bureau has these people set aside. They always have to be in pairs. No one ring on Bureau 13 World. Let, let me get this straight, John. Magic spells do not work, but if you were to take a magic item to Earth Prime, that magic item would work? It's a matter of interpretation, and I would say no. I would say, John, that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. But the idea of bringing through magical creatures does work. Yeah, so the djinn. The djinn would be a great thing to bring along. Talk about your shock troops. Again, just throw them out into Wisconsin, and whatever happens, happens. Well, no, no. Here's the problem is that any djinn that the Bureau has are the kind of djinn you don't want to leave around very long. They're probably all evil, which means whoever gets to use them, it's more or less a suicide mission at that point. They're not going to be able to stay, remember? You don't have to tell them they only have 18 hours. That's true. Let's go ahead and walk this through. You're an evil, magical entity with smoke for legs. Mm -hmm. You just popped out in the middle of a bunch of ravening creatures that are eating everybody. Now, you're evil, so this is pretty cool, but are they going to look at you and go, there's more lunch? You just can't throw them out. You you need they need to have a master, someone who open it up and and rub the rub the lamp or whatever. And needs you need to do to get them, get them to appear. Talk about getting rubbed the wrong way. Yeah, and that's when you start doing wishes like you know I wish these things were all puppy dogs. I wish you'd go out there and kill every mellower you see. The, the problem is that most of Jen is defined D twenty or they can't change reality that much. If I remember my lore right, a Jin can twist a wish to be something unfavorable, so you have to word your wishes very specifically. Any wish-granting genie, Ifrit, genie, Janny, Merid, they're all going to sit there and twist the stuff so they either get something out of it or screw you over. Since when does the D20 lore override the Bureau 13 lore? If it's Bureau 13 world we're talking about, then... The Jin act like they've always acted in Bureau 13 write-ups, don't they? I've always seen them acting like that, where they will sit there mm-hmm. and twist mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. They will interpret literally what you what you wish for. They will interpret it, and they'll try to interpret it in the wrong way. 
Right. Like, if you wish for some long-lost sunken treasure, yeah. they'll take you to the treasure. And then you have to waste a wish to learn how to breathe underwater or something. They give you treasure, but... If I wish a bunch of least Meller into puppy dogs, they're puppy dogs, are right? They're puppy, they're puppy hellhounds. Or they're still least Meller, they're just shape-changed into puppies for a while. That that's the other problem because a lot of, if you go by the I think it was are are all these free digit and so forth they have limited wishes which means they get you can't change says no it's wish I've had I've had to look up the stuff of the free recently for something in my campaign in the future which since my players don't listen I don't have to worry about this <clears throat> uh, they it is the full wish spell so what if you run outside with the lamp grab a least mellor and use the least mellor to rub the lamp and then let the mellor and the gin work it out. If the mellow rubs the lamp, then the genie would have to listen to the mellow. Yeah, we don't want that. We just talked about how the gene, how the gin will screw over anybody making a wish by interpreting it as badly but as possible. Also, but you also can't count on that uh, on that mellow to not know how to specifically word it. Yeah, but that I mean that's one of the more potent weapons you can bring back is is a is. A, a handful of bottles, the gin, you know, the gin genies, the freets, whatever, and a handful of Bureau Thirteen lawyers to write out the wishes for you. You have them pre-written <laughs> ahead of time. Yeah, it, they would have a lot of situations already planned. If, if the worst happens, then this is when we pull out this this document, we decamp this genie, and we say, "Okay, here's the deal." Bureau Thirteen Gin Defeating Wish Manual Part One. Every so often, there's one less bottle in the storage, and you're going, why is there one less bottle? What was reset, you know, at that point? Okay, um, Bruce, you've been going along the uh, positive 15. Would th- I mean, they are allies. Who? Oh, no, we're not going to go there. How about you, How about you, Greg? <laughs> Kigak? Kigak! Kenga Prime. Kigak are universally friendsworthy. Which means yes. that if you can get them on your side, you have a force. We're also universally smarter than to mess with the Melor. It also depends on how you're playing them in your campaign. If you're playing them as if they are fully cognizant that they're the ones who created the whole Melor problem, they might be on the side of the Melor, or B, they might feel really guilty at this point after a thousand years and the whole destruction of the Commonwealth, that they might want to make up for what they've done. Yeah. If my reading of the of the Kigak is right, they don't want to get within a million miles of this conflict because aren't they aren't don't they tend to be physically sort of cowardly? Well, they're small, so yeah, we're yes. small compared to some of the Meller. They're small compared to almost all of the Meller. My mama didn't raise no lunch. They're uplifted cra- uh, arthropods. I always thought of them as bird-like creatures. Uh, mm. Kigak it says, and I will read it directly from the end product of a Dinonychus-like ancestor. Basically, they're Lifted dinosaurs. The Tremeller that got his lab brand basically said, Oh, this looks neat. Let's uplift this dinosaur. And In your face, John! <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sounds like they're pterodactyl. No, Dinonychus. It's, uh, I think, a small land-roving dinosaur. That's right! We're turkey. We're vicious turkeys! That's why I said they look like birds to me. I think I saw my first wild turkey today. It's hard to be sure. It was kind of squished. Uh, you know, they, they can still fire a gun. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you could convince them to help you out, then they would be more than... Oh, so you're telling me those feathers are useful? I'll, I'll get as many feathers as you want. That's okay. However, this is not a high-level a high world. Their devastated ecology and scarce numbers have drawn aid from the, from Unita and made them an exploration partner. So we actually are already partners with them. Well, yeah, that's, that's why. It, but they're universally fringe-worthy. It's like, you know what? You want yeah. technology from us? Guess what? Our plan's been taken over. We need help. We need people who can traverse the fringe paths. Oh, look! All of you can. Ain't no thing. It's a free lunch, little guy. Pick up a gun. Let's go. And if they are fully cognizant of the Meller, they might know some things about the Meller that nobody knows, even in the book. Well, well yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'd be dealing with the <laughs> government of the of the Kegax, and they're the ones who did the little black project that changed the Meller. So, yeah. I think they would have key things like of their genetics. Those were 15 guys down at the bar who thought they were putting one over on you. <laughs> Got it. They go first. Go on. Go on. Lead for the front. The pointy gang goes in the other guy. <laughs> oh, okay. I put it this way. Like this way. This way. Oh, God. The water tonight. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, the only thing I have left after this is it pauses 16 Prime. They have orbital freighters, mm. automated by non-human intelligence, but it's still high-tech. At positive 18, Alt-1, there are Tamelaran row houses. They're still in operation, and they are Tamelaran technology. I imagine, the, facts, yeah. I imagine it's still working, and they could be filled with cool stuff. Most of which would probably still work on the fringe pass. Watch out for the the occasional rogue house instead of a row house, but anyway. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a cute, fluffy little brown furry thing with big brown eyes, which is a living automatic machine gun. A cabin. Yeah, real okay. Yes. You, I'm, I'm... Remember how these Termellern think. We'll make a nice machine gun. We'll make it living. We'll give it a fluffy tail. That'll work just fine. Exactly. If any of you guys have ever watched the anime Tenchi, you know, they have a spaceship that's actually looks like a small cross between a cat and a rabbit. It's a rabbit. Ryoki, yeah. Though I always feel kind of sorry for Ryoki when she she transforms into the giant spacecraft because it sounds like it hurts. <laughs> I'm just remembering the cat bus from my friend Totoro. That's because I'm old. My neighbor Totoro. Yeah, okay, thank you. Well, doesn't mean you won't you won't find cat buses on this world either, you know. No, because they all ran away as soon as they heard there were Meller about. Oh, there's one that we forgot. That was positive fourteen. Biblical Ooh. Earth. The living God. <laughs> hey buddy, I got some smiting for you to do. Hey. I mean, if it really is God, I'd like to expand your kingdom. Hey, high tech ruins were sighted before the exploration team was hit by lightning. Yep. So yeah, there's stuff there, but I don't I don't know. Convincing that God well, mm-hmm. if he is God, he would be able to go to this other world anyways, because you don't want to That's have, right. You know, God, you God does what God question. wants to do. The question is, are we willing to save Wisconsin from being overrun by Miller at at the cost of having Las Vegas hit with a flame pillar? Yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> That's a whole other party. I'll take my chances with Ray Robertson and the stuff he pulls out of the vault. That's true. It's going to be a good deal—a good deal less dangerous than an angry Old Testament god. Yeah. Instead of the living god, you want the devil you know. Is that what you're telling me? 
Oh, always the devil, I know. The no. lesser evils, man. Come on. The Ray Robertson we know. More destructive and less predictable than the devil we know. If there's any Bureau agents happenstance on Earth Prime at the time, they, they get et, et by a Meller. They go, holy, we got another world to go to after we're done here. You got all of them to go to once you're done there. It's the Mellor. Yeah, but you know that's like number two in the list after you get done Earth Prime. Unless they've been doing their homework and they start with Earth 13. Ah, uh, that'd be fun. Yeah, because Shane that's a whole Cal- other party. Yeah, because Cal- <laughs> let that go over real well. All the bureau um, astrologers and and prognosticators and so forth they just go. Everything just pegged. Something bad's happening. It's happening here. Uh, whoever comes through that portal will be meet, met by folks. <laughs> I think yeah. you're right, John. This seems to be a magically enhanced nuclear bop. No, it's just a little kitten. <laughs> that wants to play with you. <laughs> a webcomic called Sluggy Freelance, where you do not want to meet the kittens in that. Or the bunny. Have any of you ever played League of Legends? This just reminds me of Annie and her little bear Tibbers. Do you smell like burning? Oh, oh no, I know the lady who is the unofficial voice of Kiki for Sluggy Freelance. Ah. Yeah. Either Bun Bun or the kittens. You're right. Oh, Bun Bun and the kittens. There's your Miller problem taken care of, but now we have a bigger one. Yeah. We've gone from positive to negative 20 and figured out what places can we go to to get tech to take care of the Miller. Now, obviously, we have our our allies, the Zeal, the Demixi, the Blizzness, the Golden Horde, the Norlanders, the Romana. We can all rely on them to also send troops, so... Between that and finding various high-tech and other types of powers or whatnot to go after the Mellor, I think it's pretty safe to say that if the Mellor were to get their claws into Earth Prime and start fomenting and agitating, we could get them out of there if we find them in time. That's yeah. I think we have a fighting chance if we get there before a month's passed. Yeah. If the GM leaves the door open, we can spread mayhem and chaos and call it a good time. At the very least, we can bring in a bunch of dinosaurs and have fun. Dinosaurs versus Melor? It's a Calvin party. (laughs) (laughs) Dinosaurs on a spaceship. Oh, heck, on our own platform. Alt platform. Number five, Alien Battlefield. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Pull it. Let me flip back there real quick. Wait, stop. Don't... (laughs) You better hurry, Trav. The, the podcast is driving away without you. Yeah, I know. Blasted desert-like ruin and junk are thought to be a terminal in homeworld. Suffered massive use of thermonuclear weapons, although there's little lingering radiation and geological upheaval. Extremely dangerous. First idea contact with Mellor was here in the ruins. The surviving Tamalan Schmerd has been seen here at the site of a huge chestnut tree that seems to be a natural haven for surviving wildlife. He calls it his home tree. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if Schmert is there, well, Schmert is Schmert. If we go there, he's going to appear. The, the, actually, this is different than what's in the uh, D20 book. I am reading this here from the pages from Fringeworthy D20. I printed oh, out oh. negative to positive six. But yeah, I'm reading this from Fringeworthy D20, uh, page 149. And that's oh. what it said, is that it's the alien battlefield and possibly Schmert's home. Ah, in your face, John! If anyone goes to that portal, he's going to, like, bing, right there. What do you want? What's wrong? Yeah, those Mellor things, yeah, they're all over. We need to get them out. <laughs> well, well, 
bad things have happened to you. Uh, boy, you sure are screwed. <laughs> yeah, the Termelon haven't done so well against the Melor to begin with. Not sure how much help they're going to be here. They would still know more than the Earth Primers would. Good point. Yeah, any information that, that, that Schmirt could give would be helpful, like where can we go to find something to beat them or who can we turn to, you know. Any information that Schmirt could give, for instance, the best place to place the shiv. Well, actually, to be honest, this is Schmirt. He's just, you know, he'll just point you at the, at the, at the ring station and he'll, you know, he'll walk over and do something and say, go on through, weapons you will find, they will do. And you step through, you're now in another world, because it's Schmert, he's running the gates, don't worry. Then you can come back with Miller hunting weapons. Let's go back over that a little bit. Are the Melor especially bulletproof, or do they just need very large guns firing very rapidly at them to get rid of them? Is it only the Master Melor that actually have some of have invulnerabilities? No, any of the Melor can be invulnerable, but they can't reproduce. That's the downside. Yeah. yeah. So what would you do to an invulnerable Melor? Their invulnerabilities change. Some of their invulnerabilities are against explosions. Some are versus poison. Some are versus... It's limited, and there's usually something they're not invulnerable to. The only universal invulnerability they have is they're all immune to disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the reasons I suggested them bringing through a whole lot of diseases. Because, hey, it doesn't hurt them. They can be carriers. Yeah. Definitely want to find the pangla- the the pangos and get the pango spit working. If you have Meller there, you have certain immunities. If you're immune to, say, kinetic impact, which I'm going to say is better than saying they're bulletproof, they're immune to against kinetic weapons. Well, you just use something like a fuel air explosive. Or a flamethrower. Or a flamethrower or anything, you know, basically you hit with something else. I mean, nuclear weapons are great because they actually have radiation, heat, overpressure, they get you coming and going. The survivors of Wisconsin might might argue your choice. Yeah, let's see. It's Wisconsin versus Meller. Meller's taking over the Earth. Nuke It's a fair trade. <laughs> Nuke them from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Yeah. Kill it with fire. I think Richard's intimated, though, that there are there, there's that one rare Meller who is basically invulnerable. He's Superman. I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark night, you know? Those that I saw on Facebook, Metallo on Instant Messenger to Lex Luthor. I found out who he is. I ran his face through facial recognition software. He's Clark Kent. He works at the Daily Planet. Yeah, we all will be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> what? Why? We can get him. What? Do you think he's less invulnerable when he's asleep? <laughs> <laughs> we also know that they're not invulnerable against is the uh, the, the fringe the uh, fringe platforms. The, you know, as soon as they start spotting them and start shooting at them, they they take damage. Is it, now, isn't there something about the pangos which actually reverses the... Uh, no, it's, it's slargs. The slarg bite will reverse them, so we need pangos and slargs. You need slargs before they were screwed up by the key axe because the slargs are complete cowards now, so they won't possibly bite anybody unless they're truly backed into a corner and have nowhere uh, to go. We need slargs and duct tape. <laughs> the Kegak yeah. key are the ones who messed up the uh, the Miller and the Slargs. And the Slargs. Okay, I was not aware of the Slargs. I was aware that just they did the Miller. I was not... I, I know that oh, yeah. they found out, yeah, the Slargs, yeah, they have this thing, and they're abject cowards. Yeah, it's I in didn't... the D20 book. Nobody knew until after this that right. the Kegaks were responsible for all of it. So if you set off a weapon 
which was in the middle of destroying civilization and things were getting way out of hand. And then you were in the lab working on a solution for it. But you knew for a fact that nobody knew that you'd set off the original weapon and nobody knew that you were that you were helping with the plan to defeat it. Would you defeat the treatment or would you help the treatment under the theory that the rest of civilization doesn't have to know you wiped out the first half of civilization? We're not talking about sane people here. The only way I can describe it are in a religi- religious forever, and they are out to destroy the Tamerlan. And they don't care. They just don't care. The, the primitive Kigak may or may not be helpful, even though they're universally fringeworthy. Well, but they may not know either. That's the yeah. important thing. Not all the Kigaks were probably in on the secret. You can't keep a secret like that. Okay. It was probably a very small, radical group of Kigaks who decided that they needed to show the Tamelern who was actually who was the smart one. Yeah, we, we don't do jihads anymore. It didn't work out too well the last time. When they were introduced to the Tamelern society, to the Commonwealth, they were more or less, you know, pat on the head and given all, given all the toys. And no one ever considered that they would what they would do with the toys they were given. You know, and they found a way to subvert and reprogram the Meller and basically subvert and reprogram the uh, Slargs. So this was a religious fanatic uh, faction of, key, of the Kigak, not every Kigak everywhere. Well, no, it was a black project done by the government because the, the Termeller that was watching them is not going to reveal itself to the entire population. It was going to reveal itself to the people in power where it had been posing probably as a, a fellow Kigak and you're assuming the same government holds true for like a thousand years, and that doesn't hold true for our history. Well, still, I mean, whoever was in power in the Kigak civilization, when the Termellerns saw that, okay, these guys have met, they've been through their wars, they've retooled, but they're not attacking again. They all have the same standard of living, and they have a world government. Fine, they are eligible for Commonwealth status. I'm a Melor. I come from the Tamelor, the same race as you. No, no, uh, made by the great Kigak. No, 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 you were the result of a lab grant. But you were made by the Tamelor, and they would like to have you enter their commonwealth. Yeah. Oh, really? O-R-L-Y. Oh, really? Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm the guy who actually did the grant. I did the initial genetic work on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Kigak finding that out, it's like, yeah, it would be that government body that Mellor talked to, and they would be like, no, this ain't flying with us. No, they they come in, they disrupt our society, they watched us, we've blown ourselves up nearly twice, these people have had the power to help us, and they don't, they just let us do this? Yeah. You have to admit that the Kigaks were able to keep their society from disintegrating from that knowledge. So, they, you know, they're not wimps. Oh, no, the Kigak are conniving little SOBs, and they're all backstabbers. That's why they were yeah, nearly yeah. destroyed themselves twice. It's, it's a, not a kill-or-be-killed, but it's almost like how the Drow Society is. You know, you, you're raised, taught to screw everybody else over to get ahead. You're assuming a monolithic Kigak culture there, and I'm not certain that's a valid assumption. Well, yeah. still, in, even if there are several cultures, they're still going to... It seems like that conniving little mm-hmm. trait of theirs, I think that might be universal. It's, That's it's, it. it's the reptile portion of their brain is in full operation. They have a racial psychology. Speciesist! 
mammals, you're all alike. Always keeping the cold-blooded man down. Are you? Oh, oh, you're saying that we racial, we mammals are doing racial profiling. But wait, the dinosaurs were warm-blooded. Or at least some were, and definitely the, the species that came up that were Dionychus was Dionychus. Don't, don't impose your mammal-centered worldview on me, okay? Yes, the, the Trazon would have some words about how our, our predilection for the mammalian aspect of our society <laughs> yeah. is keeping us down, too. Yeah, I, um, I don't even want to start with how the Dimexian feel about, you know, how mammalians treat them. <laughs> All right, well, I'm glad you guys think that we can take back Earth Prime for that Meller infestation, because I set this up as hard as I could, and I was like, yeah, man, uh... <laughs> It's like, yeah, they can take it back. You know, what good is it now? Yeah, the Meller are not nearly so bad as the politically correct uh, society for the proper treatment of Kegak. Yeah. <laughs> What's the acronym for that? <laughs> I didn't even stop to think about it. Wow. All right. Uh, folks, as we keep saying, if you have questions or comments, please, <laughs> we have the fringeworthy group on Facebook. We have the Fans of the TriTech podcast group on Facebook. Bureau 13 agents everywhere on Facebook. We have the Yahoo groups. Please send reviews on iTunes and TriTechSystems.podbean.com and feedback. Feedback is a good thing. Come play with us. Someday I'm going to talk these people into finding out how to stab me in the face over the internet. Sabity, sabity. Maybe we're just doing it in effigy. <laughs> Ow, ow, ow. I'm crushing your head, Trav. I'm crushing your little icon. I'm- Krish, Krish. You have to go Krish, Krish. Holding my thumb. Krish, but he's home. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week and every week. And we hope to have more for you when we come back a little later and we do the most devastating, the most powerful and th- greatest threat that Earth has ever known. When Earth gets taken by the Coptics. The Coptics. I'm going to have fun with that one. Bum, bum, bum. And we may even have Richard on for that one. Oh, yes. Ooh, yes. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game. Hate the players. This is Jay. Keep it simple. The players are going to complicate it for you. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.